Blog Talk Radio.
Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Good afternoon to all of you, our listeners. This is Global Gospel. I'm your host, Reverend Lamar Townsend. We are glad to be here another Saturday afternoon just to declare along with LaShawn Pace that he keeps doing great things for me. How many of you know that God keeps doing great things for us every day that we wake up? He has given us brand new mercies. And so we thank God for the Lord's mercies because it is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And thank God that he didn't consume us, but he gave us another chance, another opportunity to get it right. And so for that reason, we give him glory, we give him honor, we give him praise, we worship him, and we adore him because he is God all by himself, and certainly there is none like him. We can search all over, and we'll find that there is none like him. And so we thank God for God being God and for who he is and all that he has done and continues to do in our life. He keeps doing great things for me. If I had 10,000 tongues, certainly I'd praise him with everyone. So we, we, we lift our hands and we lift our voice and we rejoice in the God of our salvation. This is Global Gospel. I'm your host, Reverend Lamar Townsend. We are here every Saturday from 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. at www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel. We want you to know that we don't own the rights to any of the music that you hear on today, but we pray that each song is a blessing to you. We pray that it is food for your soul. And so we want you to tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, to log on with us for the next hour and we want you to be reminded that all of our shows are archived and certainly you can listen to us at any time day or night you can go back and listen to our previous episodes as well and by way of announcement we would like to um, let you know that global gospel is syndicated not just on blog talk radio but it is on itunes it is on spotify and it is on Google Play. And so those media platforms are there for you to share in this ministry with us. We want you to know that we are on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Tumblr. So we want you to reach out to us, send us a friend request, look for our posts, and also on Facebook and on Twitter, there's a, uh, in Tumblr, there's a direct embedded image that you can log directly on to uh, Global Gospel. If you need to write us, you can write us at P.O. Box 5331. That is in Hempstead, New York, where our zip code is 11550. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at globalgospel17 at gmail.com. Again, we thank you. We thank you. We want you to continue to listen to Global Gospel. We thank God for each and every one of our listeners around the world, on every continent, in every country, in every city, village, hamlet, state. We thank God for you, you, and you in the north, the south, the east, and the west. Wherever you are, we pray God's blessings on your life, and we pray that you continue uh, to tune in to Global Gospel. Our theme here at Global Gospel is, comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. And we know that the theme here uh, is, If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them 
that are lost in the uh, international, new international version, Second Corinthians verse four and three says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And today we are here with the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. It's glad tidings of Jesus Christ. It tells about his birth, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And we want you to know that the gospel is here today to heal you, to save you, to deliver you, to set you free. And to lift you up if you're burdened down, uh, to give you freedom and liberty. The gospel is here for everyone, rich, poor, for every color, every creed, every nation, every nationality. God is here for you. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God in us all, above us all, and through us all. And we serve a true and living God. Again, we thank you all for listening in. We do have a special guest that will be sharing with us in a, a few minutes. And we do want to shout out all those behind the scenes uh, that make all of these episodes possible. I thank God for our, uh, my um, public, re- public relations person, Brother Marlin. And I also thank God for uh, Brother Br- Ryan Wilson of Third Lounge, who is responsible for all graphics and all technical issues. And certainly we want you to reach out to Third Lounge if you are in need of uh, help with social media, if you are in need of uh, promoting your events, if you are in need of uh, his uh, artistic abilities, certainly he is there to help you with your business cards, your uh, flyers, your posters. Uh, Reach out to him. And we know that we are in a digital age right now and everyone's doing everything digital but if you need professional uh, service you don't have to do it yourself reach out to third lounge and they are on social media as well well i don't want to prolong time uh because uh our guest is uh in studio waiting uh with us but i believe we are going to have a uh, another selection uh, before we a brief selection before uh, we do uh, share with our special guest Martha Munizzi and today it's all about Jesus and certainly uh, we've been taught that there is power in the name of Jesus the message of Jesus is the gospel and the gospel is good news so Christ is good news and so this is a little medley from Martha Munizzi and after that it's a very Next segment will be with our very special guest for today. Stay tuned and be blessed. Thank you. 
Certainly, I am your host once again. If those that just tuned in, Reverend Lamar Townsend, and you're listening to Global Gospel, and our special guest is here today. God bless you. Good afternoon, special guest. How are you today? Thank you. I'm very good, Reverend Townsend. Amen. Um, Life is good for me, and I'm really honored and happy to have the opportunity to be with you and your, your listeners on this beautiful afternoon giving us the opportunity to to think about God's word and to to praise God for the wondrous things that he does for us and for all of those whom we love and all of his world. So it's really a great honor for me to have this chance to be with you. Amen. Well, we thank you. And for those of you, our listening audience, who perhaps did not recognize that voice right away, how about you tell our listeners who you are? Oh, sure. Um, My name is Father Pat Griffin. I'm a priest of the Congregation of the Mission, which is to say a a Vincentian priest. So I live and work at St. John's University, which is in Queens. Um, I don't suspect a lot of you recognize my voice, but um, that would be wonderful if you do. I've been, um, you know, I've been part of the preaching and working community here at St. John's for a while, but um, I was born here in Brooklyn, New York and um, Irish immigrant parents and one of seven children. And I went to the seminary when I was 13 years old, believe it or not. I went to high school seminary and then college seminary and then the novitiate and then theology. And then after that, I went to study scripture. So I had to, I spent a lot of time in school and, and behind desks. And it's given me a real opportunity to, um, to come to understand something of theology. But the the great blessing for me was the years that I spent studying scripture, which were the last five years of my education. And I really felt blessed to have that opportunity because it's really influenced the way in which I think about myself and the way in which I, I think about other people and the way that I preach and the, the opportunities that it gives me to be a teacher in this tradition. 
Wow. We thank you, Father uh, Pat, for uh, joining us again on today, taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, this is one of New York's own uh, Brooklyn native. And so we thank God that you're representing our local uh, state of New York and the the borough, New York City. And uh, you said uh, you uh, your journey started at about the age of 13. It did. Yeah, that's when I started seminary. So I went from uh, Brooklyn to New Jersey to study in the seminary and did my high school there. So that was uh, that was quite the experience leaving home at that age and and beginning my studies. But I can say easily and truthfully that the reason why I went to the seminary at 13 is a lot different than the reasons that I stayed. It would have would not have been that unusual for um, the eldest son of an Irish Catholic family to think about um, ministry and priesthood. And so that was, it was not unusual that I was, you know, leaning in that direction. Nobody pushed or forced me, but it was kind of a a natural move. But um, I did appreciate it. And I did love uh, the ministry that I did embrace. And I love it to this day. I've been, I've been a priest in the congregation for some 40 years and, uh, They've all been happy years for me in lots of different places and lots of opportunities to to preach God's word and to teach about God's word. So I I consider myself blessed, and all of my life has has led to this moment now, and I'm I, I feel that it really does give me the opportunity to to proclaim God's praise and to to speak about the Lord's goodness to me and to us. Okay, well, thank you uh, once again. That is a very um, interesting uh, start at 13 when mostly everyone is thinking about uh, my parents are making me go to church. I don't want to go anymore. (laughs) And so uh, it is awesome that um, you recognize the call uh, at such a uh, young age and you stayed committed up until uh, this time. That is an awesome uh, testimony. Um, So you went to, uh, seminary as starting at a uh, young age and uh, what was what was seminary like um it was good I mean like seminary of course was all all boys and so there were 44 believe it or not students in my class other seminarians and um you know they were from all over the U.S. and so coming together in that way really gave me an opportunity to see guys from all kinds of of different backgrounds and heritages and um you know like as you might expect in with a a, a whole seminary a whole um school full of boys there were some 120 of us um you know sports was the big thing and that's what kept us together and got it helped us to get rid of our energies um but it also gave us the chance to talk to one another and to support one another in the the call that we felt that um the lord was offering to us so that was a blessing and it it went through that way and in, in my high school years. And then I went into the, I I continued in the seminary in college. I went to Niagara University, which is one of the Vincentian universities upstate New York. And I majored in physics. I was a big science and math guy. And so I did study theology, but my my major was in physics. And that was a a real opportunity to get to know this world in which we live and and the way in which God is active in this world and the the different ways in which the, the the strength of this world represents the, the strength and the goodness and the order of God. So that was a good thing for me too. Okay. Um, 
well put. Um, so uh, you did mention again just about uh, being Vicentian. Uh, so yep. uh, you are actually the executive director for the Vincentian Center for Church and Society at St. John's University. And so how about you tell us what does it mean to be Vincentian, our listeners? Well, um, the word Vincentian itself, as you might recognize from the sound of it, it comes from Vincent and the um, the founder of the Vincentian community, of which I'm a member, was St. Vincent de Paul. And he was a 17th century French priest. And his great emphasis was upon the service of the poor. The, um, the passage from the scriptures that he took as the, um, the motto, the guide for the members of the congregation was taken from Luke 14, Jesus in Nazareth and getting up in the synagogue and, and reading from Isaiah, that passage that we all know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. So Vincent heard the call to um, bring glad tidings to the poor. It was the way in which Jesus began his ministry, and it was the way in which Vincent wanted his ministry to go. And he gathered together around him numerous um, other men um, who were interested in that particular vocation, both priests and brothers. And so we we founded the Congregation of the Mission, and that's that's been true for the last you know 400 years. So we've done a lot of good work, and we have a lot of different places in the world, worldwide congregations. So my community is in some 50 different countries, and I visited some of them to see the work that we do do. So it's it's a blessing to be a member of this community and to be a, it's a blessing to be here at St. John's and to try to train the students who come here to have respect for those who are marginalized among us, and in particular a way to try to offer an education to those who are marginalized. So it really carries both of those emphases to to educate people to be attentive to the needs of the poor and also to educate the the poor themselves and it's a it's an honor to be part of that we're the second largest catholic university in the US so we've got some 21,000 students and actually the largest catholic university in the US is our sister university another vincentian university in chicago you probably heard of it DePaul. so um yeah. we have a we have a considerable investment in education, but our greatest investment is in um, works among the poor. Amen. So um, that is uh, very uh, important. And um, so uh, you are an educator and a student, a stu- lifelong student and educator as well, Amen. which is an awesome yep. thing. Um, because yep. as mu- no matter how much we uh, learn, we still can never know it all. And certainly yep. we, uh, we learn from each other. And I'm sure that uh, working with students, you have an opportunity to uh, learn from them as well as them learn from you. Um, So you spent time um, studying uh, the scriptures and and, um, you know, and the Bible and uh, the life of Christ. And so um, how have you found uh, a way to uh, tie the scriptures into uh, what you actually do as a profession practically? Well, um, most of my time I have um, taught the scriptures. I think the the great 
one of the great events of my life was the first year that I taught. My first year teaching was at Niagara University in 1984. It was just after I finished my doctorate. And so I was sent there to teach. And so I taught scripture that first semester. And I really liked it. I really liked the opportunity to teach scripture there. And then I finished up the semester and I gave the exams and I gave everybody their marks and everything was finished from an academics point of view. But then I went to one of these gatherings of the students that last night and this young woman comes up to me and she says, "Um, Father, I want you to know that you really changed my life by the way in which you spoke about the scriptures and it makes me think about things differently. And I don't think that she knew it, but that that encounter with her changed my life. The thought that I could really get in front of a, a group of young people and say some kinds of things that, um, that, that change the way in which they think about the Lord and the ways in which they want to live their life. She literally um, gave a spin to my life that I, that I hadn't had before. I always figured I was a smart guy and I could teach this and that. But when somebody can come up to you and tell you that you've made a difference in their life, that's, that's the thing that continues to, um, to move me. You know, some people, want, when they teach the scriptures, they want to teach the more advanced courses and all that. And I do see that, and I have taught some of those. But the thing that I prefer to do more than anything else is to teach the, the first-level courses, the introductory courses, the, the, the times when the students are coming in for the first time. And, you know, like, like most of people, they have some idea of what the scriptures is about, and they heard a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But um, the opportunity to stand before them and to, to use the information that they already have and to give it a, a certain form and to give it a certain organization and to show them how things fit together so that it, you know they don't feel dumb about not knowing everything, but they see what they do know, how it fits together and how it, how it can make a difference. And you, It makes... Um, you know, it makes life better for them, and it makes life better for me. And if you can manage to do that in a class, and uh, the students begin to speak out loud, and you give them that comfort, and they begin to share with one another, then all of a sudden they begin to see that a lot of the stuff that's going on in, in their head and their concerns about religion and their understandings or misunderstandings of the Bible, that that's, that's not unique to them, and that it's okay to ask questions, and it's okay to to continue to recognize that one needs to, to learn. And so I found education um, a real grace. And I found that, um, as you noted or you, you already alluded to before, it's not just for them. I mean, the reason why teaching those early courses is so wondrous is that they ask the questions which are basic. And sometimes you figure you've gotten so far along that you don't need to ask the basic questions anymore. And then they they put it right out there for you and you begin to say, oh, that's right. That That is the basic question. That is what is most important. And they, they make you rethink it and they make you recommit yourself. And I've, I've, I've loved doing that. I, I love teaching and I love preaching and I love giving retreats, but I, I really love doing it with um, those who are just beginning their, their journey along the path and who really are looking for something in religion that, uh, that enables them to give give meaning to who they are and where they want to go. So teaching has been just a, a a great blessing for me. I just I just love it, and I would I hope to do it. You know, the whole of my life. You know, I think about Matthew's gospel and Jesus as teacher, and how that that was such an important way in which he thought about himself and how so much of Jesus's 
words um, were meant to teach and were meant to give guidance to those who, who gathered around him. That's why when I, I spoke to you um, about this, this opportunity to speak together, the, the thing that really leapt to my mind is the, uh, the parables, because I just find those to be wondrous teaching devices of Jesus. And like in our tradition right now, we're going through a lot of the parables in Matthew's gospel, and that's really a, a been a, a, a continued education for me, and I, I love the opportunity to think about it and also to preach about them. Wow. Uh, well said. Uh, now, so you mentioned about um, students, and you've, and you've done this for um, several years, and I'm going to come back to the parables. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find um, that as the years have gone by, do people tend to have, have they tend to have more questions and doubt about religion or God as the years have gone on, would you say? Or yes, no, maybe? I would, I would say yes. Um, and like everything else, it's just part of the, um, the way in which we live in the part of the society, um, that, you know, that we're in, we seem to know a lot more. We present ourselves as knowing a lot more of the answers. And so, um, people are less interested in asking some of the big and, and the important questions. And so I do think it's difficult for some, um, young people to open themselves to, to faith questions. And so the real... The real privilege is when you can get them in a, in a room and you can you can figure out what question it is that that engages them and then enables them to ask that that faith question for themselves. And when they do, then they really do all of a sudden start on the journey. And it's recognizing it as a, as a journey for them, as it was a journey for you and for me. But we have a tendency to start further down the line on the journey. A lot of the kids that come here to St. John's have little um, faith training before they arrive. And so it's especially difficult for them to, to walk into a classroom and start, um, you know, at the very basics um, when they, when it hasn't been part of their, their living up to the moment. Mm. Interesting. But they are looking for something. I mean, they're looking for something. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I, I'm thrilled when a student comes in and has got something that they just don't know how to unpack. And then they want to talk to somebody and sometimes they're not looking at me as the the God representative, but they're looking at me as uh, somebody that they can trust and that will listen to them. And then I try to bring the faith dimension in as as we go along. Awesome. Um, so you you talked about the uh, the parables. You've been studying the parables lately. What what would you have our listeners to know about uh, the parables? Because some people say, oh. Well, it's just a story. It's not true. And um, but I find that God's word is always applicable, can be always applied to our lives in some way or form. Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. And, and thank you for, for putting it that way. I think that the, the mistake is when people say, well, it's just a story. You know, the just there is the problem in the sentence because it seems to to put down the uh, the idea of a parable or the idea of a story. Yes, they are stories, but they're meant to be stories that are uh, that that teach. There's a, a famous description of the Psalms by um, the scholar C. H. Dodd, who takes, who talks about um, parables as having the intent of teasing our mind into active thought. The purpose of the parables is to make us think about stuff and. 
it's it's just wondrous for me to think that that's what Jesus is doing here. That he's he's offering something with the in these vivid images with the uh, with the kind of story that he tells, which is meant to engage us. And like all of us like stories. I mean, I'm sure you like stories. I like stories. There mm-hmm. we might like different kinds of stories, but all of us like that that opportunity to think about something differently. And Jesus right. knew that, and so he tells the parables in in that way. And so. One of the wondrous things about the parables is it gives us an opportunity to try to think about stuff the way that Jesus did, and that's that's a privilege all by itself. What did Jesus intend when he told this parable, and what did he want us to learn? It's just uh, it's a thrill to be able to begin to even ask that question and then begin to unpack um, some of the things that Jesus is trying to teach us by the parables. I mean, I think when I teach the scriptures, one of the places that I try to begin, if I can, is no matter what scripture I'm teaching, I try to begin with the parable of the uh, the sower and the seed, you know? Okay, because that tell us parable, about that. Yeah, because the parable really is about the word of God. It's about the gospel. And so he says, you know, like uh, a sower went out to sow seed, and some of it fell on hard ground, and some of it fell on softer ground, and some fell among the weeds, and some fell on good ground. Well, I mean, he talks about these different types of of soil, but all of those types of soil are within the hearts and the minds of each one of us. And he knows that. And he says that some of God's word um, falls on the, the hard surface, on the rock. And the thing about that is it doesn't penetrate at all and it has no meaning. And I find that a helpful direction because it suggests to me as well that that hard, that, that rock-like surfaces in the lives of each one of us, which tells me that there's part of God's word that I just do not hear. I mean, I read the Gospels and I read the scriptures and I hear the different things that it says, but there are parts of God's word which just have not penetrated my mind or heart. And so that causes me to continue to listen and to continue to, to try to discover what that is. And so I can't tell you what parts that is, that, that those are because I don't know what they are. They, they just have not penetrated. And so it's that encouragement to continue to listen and don't think at any point we ever um, have captured all of what God has to say to us or has to say to, to me in particular. And, you know, again, the softer soil is the part that I hear God's word and yeah, that makes a little bit of sense to me, but it doesn't really penetrate deep into what I think, what I do. And the part that falls among the weeds is the one that, you know, does find some, 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 ability to grow within us, but there's other things that become more important to us, and we allow those things to stop us from paying attention to God's Word. It's the last one that I think that oftentimes we don't pay enough attention to, and that is the, that which falls among the, um, the rich, that falls on the rich soil, because it says, and it grew 30 and 60 and 100 fold. I find that interesting because it's, it, it, it doesn't just say, and it grew and it grew prosperously. It says it 30 and 60 and 100 fold. For me, that suggests that we have to know, even if you listen to the scriptures and you get it and you try to apply it within your own life, maybe I'm only paying attention to it and applying it 30 fold. And maybe what the Lord really wants of me to listen to that same word is to see the way in which it needs to bear 60 fold in my life. Or if I get it 60 fold, maybe it needs to bear fruit 100 fold. So I, I find 
taking this parable of the sower and the seed as a rich opportunity to talk to people about God's word and the soil, which is the whole of our, of our minds and hearts, and the ways in which that, that word needs to penetrate in different ways. And sometimes we don't hear any of it, and sometimes we hear it well, but don't allow it to, to be the great um, fruit, to bear the great fruit that it might. So I, mean, I think it's a starting point for talking about um, Scripture and how one needs to begin to, to think about what it means. Well, that, that is a very interesting and engaging starting point, if I must say uh, so myself, because I think uh, by talking about those different types of soil types representative, representative of different types of people, it just, that's our lives. That's, how, that's our families. Uh, we have different type of people in our families. Uh, when we go to school, there's different type of people in our classrooms. There's different teachers that we have. When we work yep. in the workplace, there's different people that we work with. And certainly we um, sometimes people uh, can't put everything in perspective. But right. I think that uh, puts everyone in perspective uh, so well. And all you have to do is, um, I was just saying to someone the other day, when you read uh, God's word, you have to ask for revelation and you have to ask him for clarity and you have to ask him for uh, discernment and, and ask him, how does this apply to me? Otherwise you're just, you're just reading, you know, you can read yep. a dictionary all day and learn new words, but how can you apply the words? Exactly. So it, exactly. It's all about um, application. I think we're going to take a break um, right now. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, our number in studio is 619-924-0800. And today we have with us uh, Father Patrick Griffin, and he is sharing with us. Uh, he is from St. John's University in Queens, New York. And we are talking about listening, learning, and living the gospel. And so the Amen. gospel tells us about Jesus. This hymn of the church, as we go to break, uh, Jesus, the love lover of my soul. Stay tuned and we'll be back. Okay. An old familiar hymn that said, Jesus, lover of my soul.
again, our special guest today, uh, Father Pat Griffin. We are talking about listening, learning, and living the gospel. And the gospel is good news on today. Um, Father Pat, I met him a few uh, months back at a event for the uh, Poor People's Campaign. And uh, some of you may have heard about it or or may not have heard about it, but uh, actually we had one of our representatives from the Poor People's Campaign, Dr. Sharon Rebar, was with us um, about two weeks ago. And certainly she shared with us uh, information about that. So, um, Father Pat, Pat um, in your studies, and um, we just talked about, uh, briefly talked about uh, the parables of Christ. And um, there is a social side uh, to the gospel. And uh, before, you know, before we end today, I just wanted to touch on this. Uh, what can you tell us about the social gospel? And you've been several places um, around the world. You might want to mention uh, where you've been. Uh, but what can you tell us socially about the gospel? Well, saying that the gospel is social means that it really it deals with um, us. As not simply as individuals, but it deals with us as as people and as nations and as communities. And, and the way in which um, the gospel speaks to us is not just to me and what I must do, but the way in which we must act and the way in which we must um, treat each other. I mean, the whole fundamental um, commandment of loving God is paired with the the loving of one's neighbor, and that's really the at the heart, I think, um, of the the social gospel. The um, the thing about the social gospel, I think, if you if you're looking at the Old Testament, this is one of the things that Reverend Barber um, is strong on, and a, and a lot of the, um, the black preachers are strong on, and that is the prophets. I mean, looking to the prophets and seeing the ways in which they challenged the peoples of their time so strongly with the ways in which they lived and the things that they were doing wrong and the ways in which they they needed to change. Um, you know, that just is at the heart of what the prophets have to say. And so what a powerful message that they have for us today and how worthwhile it is to actually preach around the prophets and to hold the prophets up and to allow their strong words to, um, to, to be proclaimed. I don't think anyone speaks as boldly as the prophets in our time with regard to um, the things that need to be changed. They, they were totally um, fearless in the way in which they proclaimed um, the message uh, that they knew that the Lord God was giving them. And it was a, it was a social message. It was a way in which people need to take care of one another and the way in which people need to be faithful to the God who had called them um, out of slavery. The whole, you know, one of the, my favorite ways of uh, being attentive to the social gospel and to the way in which Jesus encourages that is believe it or not the story of um, him and the money changers. You know, you remember the the story of the money changers and the um, the ones who sold the animals in the uh, outside of the the temple area there. And so, you know, he comes there, and then the story says that he gets angry about it, and he makes a a whip up, and he drives out the money changers and the, the you know the sellers of the of the animals. Well, the thing about it is that um, the money changers and the sellers of the animals were doing an absolutely legitimate um, service. 
In other words, the animals were pure animals that could be sacrificed in the temple, which was part of the, the Jewish tradition. And the money changers enabled people to get rid of the Roman money, which had images on it, which weren't acceptable, and give them Jewish coins that they could bring into the temple and use for their their offerings. So both of them had a, a legitimate reason for being why where they were. But the suggestion okay. is that they're beginning to let the marketplace um, influence the ways in which they act. So it's how much you're going to charge for this and what's the best price I can get for that and is there a way that I can kind of just push this a little bit over the top. And I think that's the thing that um, that irritates Jesus. Not the money changing and not the the selling of the animals, but by the fact that business had taken over um, this area outside the temple. And my my thinking of it is that um, what's supposed to happen is that people are supposed to go to the temple and worship the Lord God before the Holy of Holies and then allow that worship, the message that they picked up there, to allow that to then to go out with them and influence the way in which they acted outside in the world, in society, the way in which they brought that social message forward. But what was happening was people were going into the temple and they were being influenced by the that that knew that different message, which wasn't exactly driven by gospel. And so they were, they were being influenced by that. And they, they were bringing that into the temple with them, inside the temple, into the temple um, prayer areas, and they were allowing that to influence the way that they thought. So that, that rather than the, the, the inner part of the temple influencing the way in which things were happening outside the temple, it was outside the temple, it was influencing the way in which they prayed within the temple. And we can see that happening in, in people's minds and hearts, too. Sometimes it's, it's the, the way in which one thinks politically or the way in which one thinks um, nationally that influences the way in which one thinks about the gospel rather than being the other way around, the way in which the gospel should influence the way in which we think politically or the way in which we think nationally or the way in which we, we treat um, different kinds of people. So, I mean, I think um, that... Is, that's I find a very powerful image with regard to the social gospel, because people wonder why did Jesus do this, and it makes it why did Jesus get angry, and why did Jesus, you know, drive these things out. I think the the answer to it is where is your where is your influence coming from? Is it coming from outside or from inside? And he said it should be coming from inside, and it should affect the way in which you act outside. And that's that's one of the ways in which I would characterize the, the movement of the social gospel. It's the way in which what we believe about the Lord God and the message that we hear in the gospels, the way in which it plays out in the world in which we live. And, and nobody's better at that than, than as, as you know, than, than uh, Bishop Barber and the way in which he, he does that um, within the, the, the poor people's movement. The, the thing about Bishop Barber is that um, – you know, he talks about the same kinds of things which a politician might talk about and maybe even comes to the same conclusions. But his direction is always driven by the gospel, is always driven by the scriptures, always driven by the prophets. That's where he begins. And then he takes that and he allows that then to speak to the situation in our country or the situation and the ways in which peoples are treated. Hello? Yeah. Yes. Well, that was um, well put um, about the social gospel, and um, you said a, a ton there that I uh, <laughs> would <laughs> like to uh, would like to comment on, but okay. I don't think time would permit. But the, uh, you mentioned uh, about the boldness of the prophet, 
and you mentioned if I was just to pull a, a few points out of there, and you talked about influences and how uh, worship should influence our lives, and and our exactly. lives shouldn't influence um, worship. And so right. I think that was there today. And then you you brought up brought up the fact um, briefly about um, politics. Yep. And I think politics is really a big one. Um, yep. That is uh, that is driving people in the wrong direction as well as well as economics because you talked about the 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 money changes and the trading yep. one type of currency for another and yep. um it has been money and politics have been the downfall of many and uh it gets the it can get the best of anyone and certainly we have to stay um prayerful and uh be mindful of our actions because you could very well get lose sight of yourself and then and then you end up on the bad side of Jesus, you know, so to speak. Yep. You know, so um I thought that was uh, uh very important uh for those of you that were taking uh notes. And so um we've 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 pretty much come to the um close of the hour and I, I believe oh, no. we'll have to do we'll have to we'll have to do part two of that. But I do want you to um uh to you explain to us uh you talked about the uh the parable of the uh the sower and you also talked to us about the money changers. So um these are some practical lessons for life uh to all of you that are listening in and certainly uh when you hopefully when you read scripture uh that you read in another way. Perhaps you've been encouraged to you know, just go back and study about the sower and uh, just study and see about the money changes and see what God would have to say to you and what about what's going on in your life. After all, our topic today is listening, learning and living the gospel. We have to live the things that we preach about, that we talk about and the message to our prophets or to our preachers or our ministers or our teachers uh, that I would uh say was reaffirmed to us today by Father Patrick is that uh, we have to be bold. Uh, we have to be uh, bold in what we proclaim and what we believe, and we cannot take down due to religion or politics because it's, it's definitely out there to take us under. Uh, but uh, Father P- Pat, I just want mm-hmm. you to um, share with us uh, in these last few minutes, uh, give us maybe there are some people that you that are listening that you'd like to say hello to, or shout them out, um, or um, you know, or you can give us your conclusion in your own way, your um, what you would have everyone to uh, take away for today until we uh, do part two of this. Um, you know, when I was ordained. Um, 41 years ago now and then when I celebrated my 25th anniversary of ministry and then my 40th anniversary of ministry I um, I used one passage of the scriptures um, as my guiding light and it's always been a powerful um, passage for me um, and that is its passage in um, 1 Corinthians chapter um, 15 and we're Paul is talking about the fact that all of these um, persons had seen Jesus. He appeared to this one, then he appeared to that one, then he appeared to the other one. And then he finishes up. He says, last of all, 
as the one born abnormally, he appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's that last line that I used as the, the call phrase for my, uh, my celebrations. By God's grace, I am what I am. And so Paul knew this with all the mistakes that he'd made and all the people that he'd hurt, um, as well as all the good that he'd done and all of those whom he'd, he'd called to the Lord. All of those things, all of his talents, all of his weaknesses made him the man that he was, and he, he can't not be that person that he was. But it's, it's from that point that he begins to, to change or to move or to act. And I always thought that that was um, true for me as well, and it's true for each one of us. Right now, at this moment, by God's grace, I am who I am, my good and my bad. And so I must accept that and not regret all the mistakes that I've made, simply you know, to continue to play on them, but to, to recognize those things also have taught me and have caused me to be the person that I am. So I begin with that. By God's grace, I am what I am. When I was just ordained, when I was 25 years, when I was 40 years ordained. And it's from this point that I need to um, continue to, to serve God and to apologize, ask God's forgiveness for the things that I've done wrong, but also to, to, to celebrate the ways in which God has been good to us. And so I did I would encourage each of your listeners and all of us to, to recognize how good God has been to us and where God, how God has brought us to the point that we are right now, and that as we continue to listen to the gospel, we find ways of, uh, of, of making ourselves better and of serving the Lord, because by God's grace, we are what we are. Amen. By God's grace, we are what we are and who we are. Uh, Father Pat, just tell us how, they, uh, how you can be reached at the university. Oh sure, I'm the um, I'm the campus minister here. At, well, I, I work in campus ministry here at the university, and so if people want to get me by email, for example, it would be Griffin P G R I F F I N P as in Patrick at St John's. That's one word S T J O H N S dot E D U. So Griffin P at St John's dot E D U. Or if people just call up here and ask for Father Griffin, they'll certainly connect them to me. Them to me. Amen. Once again, Father Patrick Griffin, we thank you for sharing with us today, listening, learning, and living the gospel. We have to not only listen, not only learn, but we have to live the gospel. I believe the scripture says in James, uh, maybe James, to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word also. Uh, Father Pat, would you close us out in prayer? I'd be happy to do that. Um, I kind of prepared a prayer that, um, you know, we've been talking about Jesus as teacher, but it seems to me that in in these days, one of the things that we need to be attentive to is Jesus as healer. And so that's, um, that was the the theme around which I I prayed and, and prepared this. So let's pray. Holy and good God, you are the great healer. You sent Jesus among us as a healer of body and mind and spirit. We need to surrender ourselves to that healing touch in these days. The COVID virus has afflicted the bodies of so many people in the world and in our country. It brings sickness and death as well as separation from those who love one another. We ask your gift of healing for that disease. 
Another kind of disease afflicts our minds, dear Lord. It is the sin of racism. This affliction continues to grow and to deepen in this country. It hurts both the one sinned against as well as the sinner. Genuine healing is needed so we might treat one another with respect and love. We also need a healing of the spirit of the soul. The genuine distrust that leads to harsh words and violent action continues to grow. We are people divided by a politics that seeks not the truth but control, which needs to belittle rather than respect a different point of view. And so, loving God, give us that gift of healing that drove the encounters and the message of Jesus. Help us to accept our need to be healed and enable us to be healers of one another. We know that a foundational medicine for this kind of return to health is your holy word. The gospel directs and strengthens our resolve. Enable us to be people who listen and act as we are driven by the gift of your spirit. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Once again, tell our listeners who you are. Hi. Um, Hi, this is Father Pat Griffin from St. John's University in Queens, New York. And you're listening to The Global Gospel, hosted by our brother, Reverend Lamar Townsend. Thank you. Thank, thank you. And God bless you. Until next week, we would mind all of our listeners to log on to Global Gospel. All our shows are archived, and you know that we are on some new platforms. And so we want you to continue to listen to us and uh, uh, just reach out to us on those media platforms we are here every saturday from 1 p.m until 2 p.m at www.blogtalkradio.com www.blogtalkradio.com slash global hyphen gospel and so we want you to log on any time of day or night. Again, we thank you, Father Patrick Griffin from the St. John's University and located in Queens, New York, for sharing with us on this Saturday afternoon. And we want you to remember that God loves you and certainly uh, love you uh, as well and thank you thank you thank you for tuning in to listening learning and living the gospel we're going to go out with this familiar uh, classic and I think um, I used it uh, many times at the beginning of our all of our episodes here at uh, Global Gospel and it simply said Jesus is the answer and we talked about about Jesus today Jesus is the answer. God bless you. For the world today, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way.
Sandra. If you have some questions. 